Welcome to Cornerstone Church of Parker and our Sunday service webcast, which is connecting you to God's Word anywhere over the internet. We're glad you're joining our webcast today and pray that God will minister to you as we share His good news in Christ Jesus. And now, with a message from God's Word, here's our speaker for today. And welcome to Cornerstone Church. Happy Father's Day to the dads out there. How many of you are fathers? Some of you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> Maybe you're just so, you're too traumatized or something. You don't want to, I am a dad, I am a dad. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Mike Jones. I'm the lead pastor here today. My wife, Jamie, is out of town. Did you think of her? Pray for her. She's resting up. I surprised her and got her a ticket to go see her uh, parents in Michigan. And just so she's there and uh, she's our youth director, and so if you're a teenager here, we apologize that, that she's not here. Our uh, assistant youth director is also out of town, Taylor, getting a much-deserved break, but they'll both be back next week, and so we'll have youth uh, uh, going again. Uh, but for today, you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. So, you know, I, uh, I heard of a father who's passing by his son's bedroom, and he was astonished he was astonished, just as I would be, to see that his son's bed was nicely made and everything was picked up. How many of you dads can relate to that, right? I'd be astonished some days if my, my oldest son's, or my youngest son's for that matter's bed was, was perfectly made and everything was picked up without me having to ask him. Well, this dad, he saw an envelope propped up prominently on the pillow and it was addressed to dad. And so with dread, he opens this envelope and begins to read this letter. It says, Dear Dad, it is with great sorrow and regret that I'm writing to you. I, see, I had to elope with my girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. I found real passion with Stacy, and she's so nice. Uh, but I knew you would not approve of her because of all her piercings, tattoos, and tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact that she's much, much older than I am. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's, well, she's pregnant. Stacy said that she will be uh, that we will be very happy. See, she owns a trailer in the woods, and uh, she has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We share a dream of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone, and so we'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people that live nearby for cocaine and ecstasy. Uh, in the meantime, we will pray that science will find a cure for STDs so Stacy can get better. She deserves it. I mean, don't, don't worry, Dad. I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. And someday, I'm sure that we'll be back to visit so that you can get to know your grandchildren. Love, your son, John. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Tommy's house. P.P.S. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than a bad report card. That's in my center desk drawer. I love you. Call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to John. You know, I've, I've had a, a, a not that extreme of a situation, but I've had a similar uh, situation where um, I kind of had to flee for a minute. I remember I was 16. I just turned 16. On the day of my birthday, my mom took me down that morning, and we got my driver's license. I was so proud. And, and uh, I got home, and I said, hey, can I take take the car, you know, and, and my dad had just bought this 
this car. It was kind of a work car. It was kind of for him, but kind of for me too. And so my mom said, yeah. So I, I got in the car. Now in my parents' driveway, it's kind of got a curve to it. And so back out of the turnaround where that car was parked, you have to go from right to left. Well, in my excitement, I went left to right. And I smacked the front end of that car right into a tree. And it crunched. And as it crunched, I felt eternity just, I felt myself slipping into eternity. You know, just like, if the Lord don't take me now, my dad will send me to see him in a few minutes. So it was about 1030 in the morning at that point. And and I was just like, man, I got to do something. So after I prayed, I prayed fervently because I knew that the prayer of a righteous man or boy, you know, is effectual, you know, and I thought God will save me. God will do something. Well, after 10 minutes, that didn't work. So I, I called my grandma and she was taking us camping. And I said, grandma, we need to go. We need to go like now, you know. And so we helped pack and we got on our way. Well, later that night, I called my dad and for, I called him late, later that night, well after he got home from work. And my mom later said he was fuming, he was hot. He was so mad about that. But I called him and he, was, he had cooled down a little bit by that point. And he said, well, you're going to fix it. You know, so I learned how to, how to bondo a, a car and, and repaint it. It wasn't great, but it got the job done. You know, isn't it interesting when we think about our dads? And, and we have this love, this respect, and sometimes a flat-out fear of our dads, right? Just like, man, he's, he's just our dad. There's something about him. Uh, fortunately, I grew up uh, with a, a wonderful dad. His name is Steve. Um, this guy right here on the left, my dad's name is Steve. Uh, and that's my mom, Debbie, there, which is why I was laughing with some of guests last week that my parents are exactly their names. Uh, but this is my dad, Steve. You know, and, and there's many things. When I think about my dad, and I think about what makes him such a wonderful dad, there are several things that come to mind, several things that he, is, that he has taught, that he taught me growing up. Um, a love for the Lord, a love for the things of the Lord, uh, a, a willingness to participate and, and, and be involved in, at church and in the community, a love for sports, um, a love for the University of Michigan, and bleed blue and gold. Um, and so when he heard I was going to Michigan State, he was having a, a rough time with that for a minute. But, you know, one of the things that my dad really instilled in me was a tremendous work ethic. He is an extremely extremely hard worker. In fact, at one point in his life, he, uh, when he retired as a, a manager of like, like the power company for our whole region, he, he said, you know, I think I've worked enough for two careers. He, he goes, I'm just so, I'm so tired. And so being such a hard worker that my dad is, <clears throat> in a, um, I, I know that as, as I was growing up and as he was, you know, in his 30s and 40s, I know he felt a tension he, I know he always felt the tension between uh, providing for his family. Um, he started as a, a, a just buffing and polishing in a shop. Grimy, dirty work. In Michigan, there's a lot of automotive work, and so he would buff and polish uh, bumpers. And then he worked himself <clears throat> in the management, and then he started at the power company as a janitor. And then 20 years later, he's running the whole thing. And so, you know, I know he always felt the tension between providing for us physically and being present and being there and helping us, you know, mentally and emotionally and relationally being there. And so now as a father, I grow up and I know exactly that same feeling. 
And I'm sure if, if we had time to chat, each one of the, the dads here <clears throat> would acknowledge that tension that, you know, we, we want to be present with our children, but going to work and providing for them takes us away. And so there's always this pull of, what do we do? You know, how do we navigate that? And so I can very much relate to my dad, as, as I'm sure many of you can too. But he was a great dad, and I am proud of, uh, uh, to say that that's my dad. In fact, I made a little sign, as I will encourage you guys later to do. That's my dad. And if he was here, I would take a picture with him, and I would post that on social media so others could see <clears throat> that I'm proud of, of who my dad is and, and how he has raised me. What about you? Uh, who, who is your dad? And if you got my email or saw on Facebook this week, I'd, I'd ask that if you could bring a picture of your dad, whether it's a photo or something on your phone, because I want to give you a chance right now to talk with people in this room and just tell a little bit about your dad or a father figure, maybe a mentor, maybe somebody who really, really uh, was influential in be, who, helping you become who you are. So I'm going to invite you to stand for a second, stretch out, and I want you to share, find somebody maybe across the aisle or someone else in this room and share a little bit about what made your dad or your father figure amazing. Okay, take maybe one or two minutes each, and then after the, the song has died down, we'll keep going on with the sermon. Okay, so stand up on your feet, stretch out, give us a beat, Steve, and we'll get Sharon. If you could finish up your story here in the next 15 seconds or so, that would be wonderful. And let's return to our seats. Here about 10 seconds, and we'll continue on. There must be some really good stories out there because people are continuing to chat. Okay, well, welcome back. Let's uh, continue on. If you have a, a very interesting story, feel free to continue that. Uh, in the hall or after church here. You know, but from our conversations, I had a couple conversations with, uh, with people, and I can see that having a great dad or a, a father figure is and has been a tremendous blessing uh, in our lives. I mean, most of us are proud to say, hey, that's my dad, you know, that's my dad. I'm proud of him. I'm thankful for him. And even the, those of us who... Um, who haven't had the greatest of dads, we can learn for, even from their example uh, more of maybe what not to do and how we can adjust it for ourselves or what to look for at least. And I think it's an, um, important to say, uh, like Margaret Truman uh, said at one time, she said, it's only when you grow up step and step back from your dad or leave him for your own home, it's only then that you can measure his greatness and fully appreciate that. And I think that... That's true in, in most of our, our lives. I know it definitely uh, is in my case. I remember at one point when I was a teenager, I, I actually remember right where I was. We were driving over the bridge into Grand Haven, Michigan, and I must have been 13 or 14, and, and I just remember saying, you know, uh, telling my mom that I, I didn't want to be like my dad, and I wanted to be better than him, and, and how she 
scolded me a little bit about that because, you know, she recognized how, how good a man he really was. And, and I didn't at the time. And I didn't fully until I, I'd left home. And uh, has anybody else ever had that experience? You don't fully appreciate who your dad is and what he does and what he brings to the table until, until you get out on your own and you realize just how dang hard it is to be a really good dad. Um, depending on who we ask, we'll get a wide range of answers in regards to what makes a good dad. Inevitably, by agreeing with one school of thought, you receive criticism and we receive criticism from those who disagree. And if we're not careful, men and dads can lose their identity just trying to please everyone. So what type of father is correct? I mean, what, what definition of event fantastic father can we trust? I mean, is there something more than our anecdotal knowledge, these, this knowledge that we gather from stories or, or the opinions of experts that we can trust as a standard by which we can measure the quality of a father more accurately? Well, as with all important questions, we look to God's word because God's word is a reliable source of information, especially as it concerns our most important roles in life. And so today we're going to examine scriptures to find what I believe is the primary characteristic of a good father. Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 1? And I'm not going to ask you to stand today. You just, just were standing. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. Now, if you're looking at uh, the New Living Translation like I am, you'll see right at the top that says the birth of John the Baptist. And so here we are in the book of Luke reading about the birth of John the Baptist. And an angel has been sent to Zechariah, John's dad. And the angel is telling uh, Zechariah about who John will be and what John will do, or at least what God wants John to do. So here it is. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer, your prayer for a son. Zechariah and Elizabeth were um, uh, older, and they had not had any children yet, and so they were praying for one. And so the angel says, God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. And you are to name him John. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn uh, many Israelites to the Lord our God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Now look at this. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who were rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. And so we see here in this, this short list of John's responsibilities and the things that he will accomplish, we see uh, tremendous things mentioned, being filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. We see him preparing the way for the Messiah. But in the very next breath, the angel gives him and says something almost as equally important. He says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And so when I think of the primary characteristic or the primary uh, definition of a fantastic father, it is that his heart is turned towards his children. His heart is turned, it's orientated towards his children. We see... Um, John coming in this being one of his primary responsibilities. 
You know, one of my favorite quotes about dads comes from the movie Cheaper by the Dozen 2. Have you ever seen that movie with Steve Martin? It's from 2005, which is a little older now. But uh, at the end of that movie, after Steve Martin's character kind of messes everything up, uh, and he overparents and does all sorts of goofy things, one of Steve Martin's daughters says, you know what, I just, we love our dad because he's taught us that there's no way to be a perfect dad, but a million ways to be a really good one. And I think there's some truth to that. There's no way to be a perfect dad, but there are a million little things that good dads do. But I think that all those little million things that really good dads do, it all flows out of this one primary characteristic, that they're that their heart is orientated and turned towards their children. Now, what I want you to understand is that men, as these scriptures suggest, men are not naturally driven to become fantastic fathers. Left to ourselves, without God's influence in our lives, we are not naturally driven to become fantastic fathers. Naturally, we are driven to pursue power, possessions, and pleasure, even at the expense of our children's well-being. I mean, after all, why would God make one of John's primary purposes to turn the hearts of fathers back towards their children if it were already sold? And so, naturally, men's hearts do not gravitate towards home in the cultivation of our children, but rather it gravitates naturally to the cultivation of our reputation, our career, our, and our finances. And so a father, as the head of his household, is the relational leader of his home. He is that, even though naturally he, he doesn't embrace that role. And naturally, his heart gravitates away, and as a result, his children's lives begin to erode. Uh, just a couple stats for you. The U.S. Department of Health indicates that 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. Not only that, but the CDC suggests that 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Fatherless homes contribute to the national dropout rate among students with 71% of all high school dropouts coming from homes where a father is absent. And so from these statistics, it's easy to see why God wanted John the Baptist to turn the hearts of fathers back towards their children. Now granted, some of these like absentee fathers, that sounds like a very uh, uh, extreme, extreme case, but God wanted uh, fathers, whether they're present, physically present in the home or not, to do more than just physically provide for their children, which that is important. But it's only part of what God had in mind as far as a father's role is concerned. I, I liken it to growing a plant. Helping our children develop is a lot like helping a, a plant grow. Now, do any of you have green thumbs? Do you, do you tend to garden? Or do you uh, kill plants? <laughs> you kill plants? Well, you know, helping a plant grow, you know, it's unwise to assume that simply by placing uh, a plant in the sunlight that it's going to grow, as if sunlight is the only thing that a plant needs. Or uh, just giving it tons of water but putting it in a dark closet. That's all that it needs. If it has water, then it's okay. You know, well, if, you, if all you give it is just sunlight, then it dries up and it goes through this drought and it kind of, you know, frazzled out. If you put it in a closet with no sunlight and just give it tons of water, it's not going to do much, much either. 
And so we see that taking care of a plant requires a combination of things. It requires the sun. It requires fresh water. It requires fresh air and nutrients in the soil in order for it to grow. It requires this more holistic approach to meeting its needs. And I think the same is true with children. And so God sent John to remind men that meeting their children's physical needs is good, but meeting their mental and relational needs is just as important. But to do this, a father's heart has to be turned towards their children. And so a father would need to intentionally counteract his natural tendencies in order to gravitate towards his children rather than towards other pursuits. He would naturally not find fulfillment in being a father, but with the Lord's help, he can find that fulfillment that he needs. And so, again, I think that the fact that God made this one of John's primary goals as a minister shows us just how important fathers are to God. And what was true then is still true today. You see, from God's perspective, being a fantastic father begins with the orientation of his heart. If his heart is turned towards his children and he sees his role as a father as being more important than any other thing he could pursue, then he's, he's going to be on the right track and he's going to be very, very pleasing to God. Ken Norton once said, of all the titles I've been privileged to have, dad is always the best. And I believe all great fathers feel that way. Why? Because their hearts are turned towards their children as God desires. But we feel a tension as a dad. We feel tension. Like I mentioned, my dad feels that tension. I feel that tension. And I'm sure many of you dads here today, you also feel that tension. And so I say all that in an, in an effort to be an encouragement to you. And, and I'll just tell you straight up, I would rather preach any, almost any other sermon than, than a Father's Day sermon, quite honestly, because I'm speaking to men that I respect. And as I sat down, I really struggled with, with this sermon because I thought, man, I'm speaking to some really amazing men and, and what I want to, to do ultimately is to be an encouragement. And so I thought, Lord, what can I say? What can I, I say to encourage fathers today? And so this, please see my heart, it comes from that. It, it's, it's this. So if you're a dad whose heart is turned towards your children, if you're present and you're involved as much as you, you possibly can in your children's lives, if you're doing your very best to meet their physical and relational needs, if you're doing your very best to navigate the tension of like paying bills and putting food on the table and also being there to tuck them in at night, know that, listen, God understands that tension. And if your heart is towards your children, then that is what's most important, and God is very, very pleased with you. And so I thought of two things that I would say to you. Uh, the first thing is this, to continue to rely on God. Continue to rely on God, because being a really good dad and navigating that tension is, is hard. It is hard. Um, but continue to rely on God to counteract your natural tendencies, to gravitate towards other pursuits more than your children. And I think Personally, and maybe this is true with you as well, I think the place that this really becomes relevant is how we spend our discretionary time and energy, our time outside of work. What are we doing with our time outside of work? What are we doing with the energy that we have left over? Which I, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, at the end of a workday, it's, it's not much. 
It's not much. You know, and, and naturally, we want to just be by ourselves or rest or, or, or sit down for crying out loud, right? And, and so God understands that. But let him remind you and give you that extra strength to use that discretionary time in a way to meet your children's needs as you probably are already doing. God is faithful and he will help you. And as those stats show, the way we use that discretionary time, that extra little tuck in bed, I tell you, like right now, Jamie's out of town, so I'm kind of single dad in it. And man, I'm in bed so early, it's like the moment they're done, I'm tucking them in bed. I am so exhausted. I, I can't hardly stand, you know. And so know that I, I say all this, I'm, I, I know where you're at. <clears throat> Continue to rely on God. The second thing is this, remember that God knows you have to go to work. So cut yourself a little slack. God knows that you cannot spend every single day at the beach or the pool, Okay. He knows that you have to go to work. He knows that you have to provide for your family. And so don't think of work as bad. God gave you that desire to work. And he knows that it's challenging to meet both your, your child's physical and relational needs. And he knows that you constantly feel pulled in two directions. And so I say, just say this. Rather than run from this tension, choose to embrace it. Embrace that tension. And rather than let that tension make you feel guilty, you should feel proud that you feel that tension. If you didn't, as a father, feel the tension between providing for them and being present for them, that would tell me that your heart is more than likely not orientated towards them. The very fact that you feel that tension and that you struggle with it tells me that you are an amazing dad and you should be proud of yourself for that. You should be proud of yourself for that. And, and it's, I tell you, as long as you have children, it's not going to go away. And so embrace it. Know that God knows you have to go to work. And he, he loves that you work hard for your kids. And so I hope that, that encourages you today. To everyone else, uh, my question this morning is this. Do you have a dad whose heart is turned towards you? I was fortunate enough to grow up with a dad whose heart was turned towards me. And I tell you, as I told you earlier, my dad worked enough for two careers. My dad, I know that that's one of his, his regrets, is that he, he, he didn't have more discretionary time. My dad would go to work, and then he would go to work. My dad would go to work, and then he would go build a house, or because he was a contractor, or he would uh, do all sorts of things. But you know what my dad did, is he would drag me with him. And at the time, I hated it. I did. I was 8 or 9, 10, 11. I hated it because I would go to school and then my dad would, after dinner, take me or my mom would feed me real quick and then drop me off wherever my dad was building. And I would sit there and I would hand my dad tools and I would hold the wood or I would just keep him company. And, and you know what? It bothered me because I wish I was out playing, you know, but now that later on, I came to realize that, you know what? That was my dad's way of being there for me. That was my dad's way of teaching me and investing in my life. And, and I'm so glad that he did because now I know how to build. And now I know how to work. And I appreciate these things. And so if you have a dad like that who's doing his doggone best on all fronts, then you need to throw the man a bone. Okay? You need to show him that you appreciate him. You need to tell him 
that you appreciate them. And, and because I, I think you're truly blessed as I am truly blessed. One thing I'm encouraging you to do, if you can, I know not everybody can, like my dad's in Michigan. I can't, I can't get there with him and take a picture of him. But in the lobby, I printed out a whole bunch of these signs. Put your dad's name on it and see if, if you can take a picture with him and maybe post it on your social media. If you can't figure that out, send it to me, mike at cornerstone.org, and I will post it for you. I just want to draw attention to the high-quality dads that are, are in our community and, and, and related to this church because I think dads uh, in the media, quite frankly, get crapped on. I do. They're often portrayed as being bums, being lazy, and, and irresponsible. And, and I know there's a whole bunch of really good women doing, doing everything they can, but I, I, I just think that there are a whole lot of really good men doing the same. And I would like to, to make sure that they get acknowledged. Because, you know, um, the really good dads don't go around announcing it to everybody. You know, they, they quietly handle their business, right? They just keep sacrificing, keep working, keep loving their families day after day. And they, they do it without a bunch of pomp and circumstance. And so I, I, I want to make sure that they get recognized. And so this morning as we celebrate, in this day as we celebrate our dads, um, I'd like for us to do what we can to show them or at least tell them that we're really, really proud of them. And so, so do something today or this week. Um, use this sign, for instance, um, to, to do that. After the service, uh, we went out and we bought uh, a bunch of craft sodas for all the dads. And I think they're probably enough for the the young men to have one too. I know my own son was begging me for one. And so I think the young men will have enough as well. And so with that, I say God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Could we stand and just pray before we dismiss, please? Thank you for your patience with me this morning. Like I said, I, I would rather preach uh, just about any other sermon than a Father's Day sermon. I hope that you see my heart and that I, I hope I'm an encouragement to you today. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for the influential, wonderful men that you've put in our lives, Lord God. I thank you that we've had the privilege of knowing them and working with them. And, and I pray that you would just bring to our remembrance all the wonderful ways that they have blessed us, Lord, and in turn, help us to be a blessing to them because we know they don't, they don't do it to get attention. And so uh, I, I also pray that you would encourage the men of this congregation, encourage them, Lord, uh, when their hearts are orientated towards you and orientated to their children and they're doing everything that they know how to do to serve and love and sacrifice and be there. God, I just pray that they would know that they would leave here today knowing that you are so pleased with them. God, I, th I think if there's anything that men struggle with, it's that. I pray you would help us to navigate that tension, to use our discretionary time in ways that please you and will bless others. God, just because of that, I pray pour out your blessing on these dads. Strengthen them today and give them a really wonderful, relaxing rest of this, this afternoon. We thank you, God. And I pray a blessing over every person here today, give them just a sense of peace, a freedom from all fear, a freedom from all anxiety. I just pray that special blessing over every person today, no matter what they're facing, that they would know that you are present, that you are with them, 
and you know exactly what they're going through. Bless them in that way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming today. Grab a, grab a soda on your way out. Get someone a handshake, a high five, or a hug. Have a great rest of the week. You are loved. We thank you for listening to this Sunday service webcast from Cornerstone Church of Parker in Parker, Colorado. We hope that His truth has enriched your life and inspires you to greater works in God's kingdom. We invite you to worship with us in our Sunday morning service or join in our other ministry events posted on cornerstonechurchofparker.org. Cornerstone Church, built on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and connecting people to God, each other, and to our world.